Welcome to Connect to Joy. Your host, Carol DeShane, is an intuitive spiritual guide for practical matters and Marconic multidimensional energy practitioner. Her quest is to help you realize new possibilities, discover and release what holds you back, and enable you to manifest an inspired life filled with joy. Join us on this journey of transformation. Now, here's your host, Carol DeShane. Welcome, beautiful spirits. Today, we're going to be continuing our talk on inner peace with my guest, Bodie Sanders. With all that's going on in the world, this conversation is really important. Let me go ahead and reintroduce Bodhi to you. He is a multi-award winning and best-selling author of 16 books. He is an inner peace life coach, fifth degree black belt in Shotokan Karate, a martial arts Hall of Fame inductee, a columnist for World Martial Arts Magazine, Taekwondo Times Magazine, and The Healing Path Magazine. He is also an internationally renowned philosopher on inner peace, the warrior lifestyle, and martial arts philosophy. His 16th book, The Art of Inner Peace, was released at the end of 2021. It details the life lessons he has learned from overcoming many challenges in his life. It's a step-by-step guide to developing and maintaining inner peace, tranquility, and a calm spirit, and has been called life-changing by many readers. And let me say, we can really use inner peace with all that's going on in today's world. Join me while I continue my interview with Bodhi Saunders. I noticed you talked about the releasing the attachment to outcomes and also releasing your attachment to like expectations is sort of the same thing in a way. How does that related to inner peace? Well, if you're constantly worried about failing or getting the outcome you want, you're not going to live in inner peace because worry and inner peace are not compatible. Fear and worry are contrary to inner peace. You have to let go of your attachment to the outcome of your actions. In doing so, you, you basically free yourself to be at peace with your actions. Instead of being worried or concerned with the outcome, you're focused on doing the best you can do and doing what's right. And if that's your focus, then the outcome is going to take care of itself. You don't control the outcome either way, whether you worry about it, whether you don't worry about it, the outcome, you know, things are going to happen as they do by worrying about it and thinking, man, I hope this works out. I'm afraid I, I messed up. You're not changing the outcome. All you're doing is stressing yourself out and robbing yourself of your inner peace. If the outcome is not what you want it and you're focused on, okay, doing what you did and, and doing the right thing and doing the best you could do, you're still at peace because you did the best you could do. You did everything you could possibly do. If it turns out to be different than what you wanted, then you just start again. You say, okay, yeah, here's where we are. Uh, how do I change this? And you do the best you can do. You regroup and you do what, what you can do to change it. But still, you have no control over the outcome. So you have to be at peace with your intentions and your actions that you take. And when you're at peace with your actions and your intentions are right, then you're, you're going to be at peace no matter how it turns out. Even You may be disappointed that it didn't turn out the way you want it to, but you're still going to be at peace because you know you did the right thing and you did everything you could do in the situation. I heard something somewhere that says that worry is praying for something you don't want. 
And I, when I heard that, I went, oh, well, that's interesting. And I mentioned it exactly. to my girlfriend who worries a lot. And she yeah. was like, oh, my God, I hate that. <laughs> I mean, she loved the idea, but she hated the fact right. that that's what she was doing. And, and that's so true, because when you're worrying about it, basically what you're doing is programming that fear into your mind over and over. And uh, yeah, my grandmother used to do that. She used to worry all the time. She would work herself up worrying about stuff. And a lot of times the stuff people worry about never happen. It's, they, they spend this much time stressing themselves out, robbing themselves of inner peace over things that never happened, n- never materialized to start with. But they wasted all that time, stressed themselves out, and they embedded that fear into their subconscious mind. All, and they did it all for nothing. You're talking about how worry, if you look at the worry and you go, okay, so I have a concern about this. Is there something I can do that, if, what's it trying to tell me? Maybe my subconscious mind is trying to tell me there's another piece of the puzzle I haven't done yet. Yeah. So then I don't need to worry once I do that and then, you know, move on. But if you don't use the worry, maybe I don't want to say appropriately, but if you don't use it to further whatever issue it is that you're working with, then it's worthless. Yeah. And it just impacts your inner peace for no reason. And, you know, there's a difference in worrying about something and being concerned about something. Let's take an example I gave in the book. You know, say you have a sailboat and you're getting ready to sail down to the Bahamas or something. Okay. You might be concerned that, okay, I need to make sure everything's working on the boat. And, you know, all my uh, radio and my gear is working and motor's ready. And I, I need to check the weather. Well, there's a storm due to come in, you know, in five days. I'll, I should be there by then, but I might be a little concerned that it might hit earlier. Well, you know, that's not worrying. That's thinking rationally, seeing what is going on and preparing for it. If you're worrying, you're going, oh, my God, I might have to sail through bad, you know, a bad storm or big waves or I could die. Maybe I shouldn't go. I might die. I might drown. You know, and all these things start spiraling in your mind. That's worry. That's not helping anything. That's not preparing for anything. Concern is, okay, I see something could happen here, so let's get prepared for it. I'm not going to sit and worry about it all night. I'm going to do the best I can do to prepare for it and be ready for whatever may come my way. But I'm I'm not going to sit around and worry and do nothing about it. I make that distinction. You know, if you're concerned about something, you are rationally thinking about it and making the preparations that you can make and getting ready. I know that people don't always see the difference, so I think that'll really help. I have so many people when I teach about responding instead of reacting, they say, well, it's the same thing, you know, and then they'll go and they'll look it up in the dictionary and the dictionary has the two as synonyms. And they say, see, the dictionary even says it's the same, but it's not the same thing. And when I explain the difference, they start saying, well, yeah, but they mean the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're talking semantics. (laughs) It might mean the same thing as far as the dictionary is concerned, but as far as your subconscious mind and your inner peace is two totally different things. Besides the outcome, I know that there were also another section of the book, you talk about letting go of people's opinions of you. And that is huge Uh because it really impacts your inner peace. If you're worrying about how other people are going to judge you, And actually, we judge ourselves too, which doesn't help any. How can you help people release other people's opinions in order to have that inner peace? Bruce Lee had a great quote when it comes to this. He said that 
you know, I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. You're here to live your life your way, not to please everyone else or live according to their standards or what they would like. You've got to develop enough self-confidence that if somebody else says, well, you know, you're wrong, you shouldn't be living like this or you shouldn't be doing this, it doesn't shake your mind because you, you have your own standards, your own principles to live by. You know what your purpose in life is. They don't know. You know they're not in your mind. They're not living your life. You've got to have enough confidence in yourself and in your own opinions that your opinion means more than theirs. And I think Marcus Aurelius said, you know, something I'm going to have to paraphrase. I don't have the quote in front of me, but he said, you know, something like we all love ourselves more than anyone else, but we seem to put more importance on the opinions of others than we do our own. And that's true. So many people, they don't have the self-confidence in their decisions, their opinions. And so if somebody says something that differs from their opinion, then they think, well, maybe I'm wrong. I must not be right. It starts putting doubt in their mind. And then they start playing with that doubt. And it just snowballs until they don't know what end is up. And they say, well, they must be right. I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. And they change their mind. You know, if they have a problem with your decisions, or what you think, or how you live your life, just like I said at the beginning, they have a problem. I didn't say you have a problem. That's their problem. Just because they have a problem with your decisions or how you live your life, that doesn't mean you have to make it your problem. That's really hard sometimes when you have like a parent, a spouse, uh, even a child where they're the ones that are judging you because then it's like, uh, okay, how am I going to live with this? Because you might weigh their opinions a little more than just mm -hmm. random people. So yeah, it can be a little more difficult sometimes. I had the same situation with my parents. Yeah, my parents live in Louisiana. I live in Colorado. When our kids were younger, you know, of course, they wanted to be closer to their grandkids, their grandsons. They talked us into moving to Missouri, which was you know much closer to them. At the time, my wife and I were both teachers, and we got teaching jobs in Missouri. We moved down there. My wife hated it. She, when we drove into Missouri, she just started crying. <laughs> it's just she's from Wyoming. It was ninety-five degrees. We couldn't find a nice house. You know, we rented a junky little house. We moved from a nice house to just a. A nothing little house. And it was full of spiders. Mm -hmm. There was bugs everywhere. And you know, she, she has a fear of bugs Great. and spiders. <laughs> and she hated it. And so, you know, we made the decision that we were coming back to Colorado. We made the decision almost right away. My parents were so upset about that. You know, we didn't give it a chance. You're, you're making a mistake. I had a martial arts dojo there on top of teaching school. And so, you know, we were doing well financially. They kept throwing that up and they said, well, you don't even have jobs in Colorado, but we knew in our spirit that that's where we needed to be. So we resigned our teaching jobs in Missouri, moved to Loveland, Colorado with no prospects, no jobs, didn't know one person here. And we moved here with nothing, just on the faith that we knew what we were doing. We knew what was right. We wanted to be here and raise our kids here. And so we came here, we made a trip over here to do some interviews, found a house. We went ahead and rented the house with no jobs, ended up not getting either of the, the jobs we interviewed for. 
So we moved here with no income, no jobs, just on faith that something would come up. Just about one week before school started, my wife got called and offered a job that was about 15 minutes from our house. About a month later, I saw an opening for a advertising manager at the Healing Path magazine. And so I went in, I got offered the job, took that, and we both had jobs within a month of moving here. We did it all on faith. You just can't let other people's opinions throw you off track because they really don't know, even if there's your parents or your kids and they want the best for you, it's not their life and they really don't know. They know what they think is best for you, but they don't know what's best for you. If I had to listen to other people, I would have never written my first book. I was teaching school at the time and, and then people were oh, you can't write a book. What are you talking about? And they were just laughing about it. I was teaching history at the time, but I'm also qualified to teach English, writing, reading, you know, all kind of different subjects. And I said, well, maybe not. But at the time I had been writing in these handwritten journals that I got from Barnes and Noble. And I was writing them wisdom journals for both of my sons as a graduation present, a handwritten book of wisdom from their dad. And each time I would go back to that, I kept saying, you know, I would buy this book in Barnes and Noble. And finally, I decided, you know, I don't care what they say. I'm going to format this and send it out, you know, some inquiries to a couple of publishers. So I sent it out to four publishers and got two book deals offered to me within two months. Wow. I ended up turning down a big publisher in New York City and went with an independent publisher in Reno. From there, it's just snowballed. And just making that one decision has led to me being best-selling author. I've won several book award, national book awards, and I just published my 16th book. Good thing you made the decision, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to yourself. I did want to read a quote from your book. Because it was something that I wanted to get a little deeper into. So I hope mm -hmm. you'll bear with me here. So you said, men are disturbed not by things that happen, but by their opinions of the things that happen. I'm going to say that again. Men are disturbed not by things that happen, but by their opinions of things that happen. Well, you know, let me stop you right there. That was a quote that I didn't, I didn't write that part. That was a quote from Marcus Aurelius. Okay. Yeah, he's one of my favorite teachers. And so I took that quote from him. The Stoics talked about that a lot. But, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you there. Well, no, it's just it's, the thing is, is that it's not the event or the situation that upsets you or that disturbs your mind. It's what you think of the event. Exactly. So it's your choice. Again, going back to choice, I guess, mm -hmm. on what you think about what happens. Right. So it's an interesting shift in your thought pattern, I guess. Well, you know, no matter what the situation is, there are many different ways you can look at it. You know, everything that happens in your life, you can view it in several different ways. For example, someone dies. You can take the traditional route and you can think thoughts of, I'm never going to see him again. I, I miss him so much. It's not fair. He was so young and you can get upset and cry. Or you can take a different viewpoint and you can say, uh, well, he's no longer in pain. You know, he's free from that disease or, or whatever he had. And he's in heaven with his parents and grandparents. He's happy. He's at peace. And, you know, I was so lucky to you know, get to spend so much time with him and, and to get to know him and have him in my life. Those are two different ways of looking at the same event. 
obviously those two ways are, of seeing someone's death is going to bring about, how do I want to say it, a different emotions. Everything you know, has a cause and an effect. A cause is going to bring about a different effect. So if you think about it in a different way, you're going to foster different emotions about that event. The first I just said would lead to sadness, anger, you know, emotional distress, depression, you know, sadness, all this stuff. And none of that fosters inner peace. But if you thought about it the second way, where you know he's happy now, I'm, I'm so happy I got to know him, then that's going to lead to seeing it in a different way. Happy memories, feeling of peace, happiness that he's no longer in pain. It's going to bring more inner peace into your life. And it all depends on how you see it. Every event is that way. Like if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you can say, oh, what a jerk. Get all upset and cuss and, and rant and rave about it. Or you can say, man, I hope that guy's okay. He could be going to the hospital. He could have an emergency. If you look at it that way, then it, it brings up a whole different set of emotion. You're no longer getting angry and frustrated about it. You are feeling fine with it. And it's just how you view each situation. And you always have a choice. The choice is always yours. You can always see any situation in your life either in a positive way or a negative way. What choice you make determines whether you disrupt your inner peace or if you foster inner peace and happiness in your life. One other way to think about it when somebody cuts you off is, wow, I'm glad I'm not that person. <laughs> it makes me laugh when I think that it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Let, go on your way. Just be in front right. of me and not behind me so I don't have to deal with you. Exactly. There's an unlimited number of ways to look at it. Well, and I look at it that way sometimes, too, that maybe they're having a, an emergency. And sometimes people are just not so nice and horribly rude. And it's like, well, go, good. Go on your way. Glad you're not near me or in my life. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not you. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And if you do look at it like, oh, God, what a jerk. Then you can catch yourself and say, you know what? I'm starting to get upset here. It's not going to affect that guy one bit. If I get angry, upset, start throwing a fit. He's gone. He couldn't care less. <laughs> you know, he's already way up the road. All it's going to do is yeah. disrupt your inner peace and make you have a, a bad morning or whatever. You know, it, it doesn't affect him at all. And that's where mindfulness comes in. If you start thinking negatively and you get angry, you can catch yourself and stop yourself and say, uh-uh, I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to ruin my morning because some jerk cut me off in traffic. That's ridiculous. And you can let it go. This show is all about joy. So I wanted to talk about it and bring it back to maybe my theme normally, just to say that for me, true spiritual joy actually brings me peace and vice versa. If I find true inner peace, mm -hmm. it brings me joy. So how do you connect finding inner peace with joy? Well, you know, if someone doesn't live a life of inner peace, they're not going to be living a joyful life. The two go hand in hand. If you don't have any joy in your life, something's off, and you're certainly not going to be living a life of inner peace. So that you, you can't have one without the other. If you have inner peace in your life, in your heart, then you're going to be joyful. You're going to be happy. You're going to enjoy the people around you. And you're going to have a good outlook. But you can't have inner peace if you have the opposite. You can't have inner peace if you're unhappy, fearful, you're not enjoying your life, you hate everything. Joy and inner peace go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You know, they fit perfectly. I was curious if you were thinking the same thing I was, because that's kind of when we were talking earlier, I was thinking, yeah, 
joy without inner peace, they don't, they sort of just are together. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like having a loving attitude for people. It's just sort of all together because you're in this better, higher vibrational space of joy and hope and love and all those things and gratitude. Mm -hmm. They all kind of energetically for scientists are at a higher vibrational rate. Right. I don't like the heavier stuff. It doesn't feel comfortable. So I'd really much rather go into the higher. Right. Dr. Wayne Dyer really has some good teachings on higher energies and lower you know, energies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he listed, you know, I, I don't have it all in front of me, but, you know, he listed stuff like anger, hate, uh, jealousy, resentment, hatred, all that kind of stuff are lower energies or lower energy thoughts. And stuff like inner peace, love, joy, all of those kind of things are higher energy thoughts. And according to Dr. Dyer, those thoughts will always cancel out the negative lower energy thoughts. And so, you know, just like the example I gave uh, with the guy that cuts you off in traffic, when you start having those lower energy negative thoughts coming in or popping up, you can always cancel those out by stopping it and replacing those with a higher level, higher energy thought. I was thinking about enlightenment because I, at the end of my podcast and sometimes at YouTube, I always say that enlightenment is a journey and not an end destination, mm-hmm. especially while we're still in human form. Yeah. So for you, what's the difference before and after? I would say before and after enlightenment, but I mean, we have moments of enlightenment since we're still going through this human experience. Well, you know, there's an old Zen proverb that says, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't claim to be enlightened. I just live my life the best I can. But even if I did have some experience that brought me to the point of enlightenment, I would still be writing books, sharing teachings, weeding my Japanese garden, washing dishes, exercising, and getting in trouble with my wife. So it's just, I think it affects how you think in your mind, but you're still going to be living the same life. You might be doing things differently and thinking about things differently in your life, but you know we're all here to live the best we can. Enlightenment simply clarifies how we view life and how we view those people around us. At least that's my opinion on it. Well, and I, I agree because I think for enlightenment, it just means those light bulb moments of, oh, Okay. And then you kind of shift a little bit. And that's the moment of enlightenment at that moment. And then there are more and more Mm -hmm. of those. And if you believe in past lives, there's going to be a lot more of those as we go along, you know, in other lives and stuff. It's something that people worry about getting to the end destination. I always want them to go, hey, it's okay. There is none. So calm down. Just allow yourself to have those moments of clarity. You just live. Exactly. And you're going to have those moments, just like we were talking about earlier, I forget exactly what we were talking about, but it was, you know, I said, well, finding out the negative thoughts that are holding you back. How do you discover those? Well, you know, when I said, well, you you can discover them in meditation, that's the same thing. That's a form of enlightenment. All of a sudden, your spirit tells you, well, this is what's holding you back. Well, you have just been enlightened as far as that question or that topic goes. Right. There's an analogy that you have in your book that really spoke to me, and it says that so that you don't rush your change, that it takes time to find inner peace. And you spoke about, or you wrote about a muddy lake and letting the water settle mm-hmm. and that it takes time to settle. You, know, you can't do anything about it. You just allow right. the, the mud to kind of fall to the bottom and then things become clear. Uh-huh. So I just really love that analogy. 
Well, yeah, and that's you can uh, make that analogy with your mind. If you're getting all stressed out and worried about something, or you're all bent out of shape, it's not normal for you. The more you try to say, okay, you know, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to have it. I'm, it's like a cycle and you keep, it keeps coming back. But if you go and meditate or you go and do some gardening or do something else and just let your mind settle by itself, then you can come back and say, yeah, I'm not going to have that fear. I'm going to live like I want. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to let it go. And it's much easier. You can't, there's times when you can't force yourself, you can't motivate yourself. I used to uh, be a bodybuilder. There's times when I was just not in the mood and I would try to force myself. Okay, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to go lift weights. But I really don't want to. I want to do this, but I go down and I wouldn't have a good workout. It would be halfway through the workout, say, yeah, this is not working and just stop. And it's because you know, there's times you can force your mind to think about something. And there's times when you can't. And those times where you can't, you just have to say, okay, you know, well, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now, or I'm not supposed to be focused on this. And you just go and you do something else and you let your mind settle down or quiet down on its own. Because sometimes when you try to force something and it's not the right time, you can do more damage or you know, cause more stress than if you would have just not done anything. And there's so many people in the world now that they have to respond immediately. They have to text back immediately. Mm-hmm. You're reading something and you think they mean one thing and they're taking offense and they really don't mean that. Or even if they do, you respond in a way that you can't call back your words. So even if it's in writing by texting, so you just need to kind of take a moment. Exactly. And even walk away. Yeah. And a lot of times you can read that text for the first time and it, you might see a different meaning than if you would have just waited yeah. for an hour or two and gone back and read it. And it, you would say, oh, yeah, I, I kind of read that wrong. He didn't really mean what I thought he meant. I thought he was being rude, but I kind of read it the wrong way. So it helps to distance yourself from things like that. Think about it rationally or put it out of your mind and come back to it later. And you see it from a whole different angle. What you thought was one thing, when you come back two hours later, it might be, you might see it a completely different way. It might mean something completely different to you. Well, especially if you know the person, because sometimes you know that person wouldn't say something nasty and yet you still take it the wrong way. And all of a sudden you lose a friend because you responded in some bizarre manner that they're going, what the heck are they talking about? Why are they yelling? Yeah, and it depends. It depends on how where your mind is, too. You, know, you, you could be upset about something else, and you read the text, and all of a sudden, you get upset, angry about that when it, it wasn't anything bad in the text. And then two hours later, when you've come down and you, you've got your inner peace back, you read the same text. It's not even close to what you thought it was. It's about time to wrap up the show, because we've gone way over time. <laughs> So before we wrap the show, I always ask one question of all my guests. Mm-hmm. I want like to give them action steps. So what three things do you want people to take away from the show so they can get them started or continue mm-hmm. on their road to finding inner peace? Well, let's see. I think, you know, one is that you don't have to live in fear, worry, despair. You don't have to let these negative, lower energy thoughts control your life. You have a choice. The choice is always yours. You always have a choice on what thoughts you entertain and which ones that you get rid of. Secondly, I think inner peace is available to anyone who wants to take the time to develop it. 
and maintain it in their life. And, you know, so many people say, well, you know, I, I can't live in inner peace or I can't be happy because of this or that. Well, you can be. It's available for anyone who decides they want to live that way. And it's free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for free. All you got to do is make the choice and go through the steps. And I give you the steps. I outline it in, I think, easy to uh, understand ways throughout the book. And I even give you a roadmap at the end of, of the book that just lists it step by step. So it makes it very easy. Even, even if you forget about some of it, you can come back to the book open up to the last chapter, and it basically summarizes everything, all the steps, so you can keep it fresh on your mind. But it's available to anybody. I don't care how much abuse or how many bad things have happened in your past or how many horrible things have happened to you. You can always start right this minute to develop inner peace in your life. You don't have to live an unhappy angry, life full of fear and worry. You have the choice. I guess third, you need to start living your life your way and quit allowing events and situations and other people in your life to dictate to you how you have to live, how you have to think and what you have to do. You only live life once. Make it count. It's your life. Live it your way. Know what you want to live, how you want to live, what your purpose is in life. If you don't know it, meditate on it until you figure it out and then live that life because you don't want to get to the end of your life and be disappointed and regretful. Oh my God, I wish I would have written that book. I could have written that book. I see a book just like I was thinking about writing and I could have written it. You know, I knew all this. I could have done this. I could have been an athlete or I could have been this or I could have been that. You know, whatever it is you want to do with your life, now is the time to do it. If you don't do it now, when do you think you're going to do it? Time gets away from us. That's for sure. It does. And it goes fast. It goes really fast. Ask anybody who's over 60 or 70. It's like <laughs> all of a sudden, it was yesterday, but it's not anymore. Yeah. And it, you know, it does. I, I said uh, just this week, uh, can I remember? Oh, yeah. You remember when we did so-and-so? And my wife said, you mean 35 years ago? I said, oh, wow. It doesn't seem like that. Time is interesting. Yeah. I always like to add my three action steps mm -hmm. to yours because yours are wonderful. To me, I want to add to be kind to yourself. If you start the process and you slip up and you revert and your emotions and your responses become yeah. reactions, it's okay. Just know that whatever comes up, it's just a process. Yeah. It's not something that you're going to be able to do in 30 seconds. You won't have any quick ways of finding inner peace. Now, yeah. you might have, have momentary inner peace and find quick ways to do it, which mm -hmm. is great. But to have long term, it's going to take some time probably. Yeah. And, and you're not going to do everything perfect all the way through. You're going to have bad days and good days. You're human just like everybody else. When you have a bad day, it doesn't mean you throw in the towel and quit and say, oh, yeah, this I can't do this. No, it just means you had a bad day. So what? Next day you and do it And watch how you talk to yourself exactly. when you have the bad day exactly. to be, be aware. Yeah. <laughs> I think my second thing is get help if you need it. So if you can't seem to do it on your own, you get stuck, buy the book and see what that says. See if it can help you. Get an accountability partner, whether it's a friend or mm -hmm. a, a life coach like I am. I think you also yeah, do Yeah, I am too. And, and they can always contact me uh, through my email. And if they would like to do life coaching, I can help them personally. Whatever works 
for them. Everybody is different. I give a general step-by-step plan, but you may say, well, affirmations don't work for me. I'd rather do something else. Well, whatever works for you and brings you inner peace, that's what you need to do. Right. One of the ways I hook in is with gratitude mm-hmm. because that will make me pause. And even when I'm thinking exactly. of negative, horrible things, yeah. I go, no, what am I grateful for? Yeah. What's the opposite? Do I have some things? Of course, I have a ton of things mm-hmm. to be grateful for. It will make me stop thinking about the negative stuff and get me off the yeah. roller coaster. So that's one way that I can get my inner peace back. Exactly. And that that's something I talk about in the book, too, because that really, it doesn't matter if you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're upset. You think about all the blessings you actually have. And when you start thinking about that, you think, wow, I'm rich. (laughs) And you really are. We tend to forget here in the the United States because we see so many other people and we compare ourselves. They're doing so much better. Look at their house or look at their car. You know, look at their job and you compare yourself to them. Well, you know what? If you compare yourself to the hundreds of millions or actually billions of other people in this country, you are rich and you're doing great because there's people in every country who don't have a home, don't have any decent clothes, barely know what they're going to eat. If you want to compare yourself, don't compare yourself to some celebrity. Compare yourself to the people who have nothing in their life and then you start feeling pretty good about yourself. That's true. Before we go, I wanted to mention that you have a complete inner peace package. It's currently on sale on your website and I'm going to have the direct link in the episode description, but did you want to say a little bit about the package? Yeah, that package is uh, got the Art of Inner Peace in it, which is my new book. And it's got a book that is titled Secrets of the Soul, which is an interesting little book. It's kind of a guide that asks you questions. And so you get to understand your hidden beliefs, stuff that you may not even know you believe, or things you might think you believe. You go through it and you say, well, I don't think I believe that anymore because it asks you questions. So do you believe in life after death? Well, yes or no. And then I ask follow-up questions. Well, why? Well, because I was taught that. Well, just because you were taught that, do you really believe it? And it makes you think about what you believe, what you don't believe. And by the time you get through with it, you understand your thought processes and what you really believe about things. And it also has my book, Wisdom of the Elders, which is a, a quote book that I put together so many quote books. I love quote books. And I go out and, and they put quotes, all these different celebrities and people. And I'm thinking, why would you even put that quote in this book? <laughs> it's just so I took the time and I went through and I put only quotes in that will help you live a better life and will help you live a, a life of character and honor, integrity. I have them listed by category. I actually won an award for that quote book. So I put that in the package. Then I have two books I put in there from William James. He was one of the first teachers of uh, the law of attraction. And those books are really, really good. You know, they'll, you, you'll love those books. And I was thinking about the law of attraction when you were talking uh, earlier about uh-huh. what you're pretty much manifesting and drawing to yourself. It's right. not magic, but yet, yeah. in a way it feels like magic you know, <laughs> when you do it a certain way. It kind of does. The whole art of inner peace is basically the law of attraction because and that, that's the subtitle for the book, you know, the law of attraction for inner peace. And it's because you are manifesting inner peace in your life, but I'm giving you the steps right. to do it. Right. So you know how to do it instead of just saying, well, I just need to do affirmations or I need to do this. I give you the step by step of what you need to do and how to integrate it into your life. And I do highly recommend your book. I 
Very much enjoyed oh, it. You. I have to get to that last chapter. I'm all the way up to the last chapter. I didn't get there yet. So when you said there was a summary, I went, oh, I should have found a way to, to get that extra time. But I was so immersed in it and trying to read it at depth rather than just doing a skim uh-huh. through that it took me a right. little longer. Before we go, I do want to let everyone know that in the show notes or episode description or whatever you want to call it, there'll be all of our social media handles for both of us, including our websites and our emails. My website is just like the podcast, which is connecttojoy.com. And Bodhi's is theartofinnerpeace.com, but there's hyphens in between each word. So the dash, art dash, and I'm not going to say it because I I have trouble saying it without falling over my mouth. (laughs) But that's also going to be in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about life coaching with me, intuitive readings, or Marconics multidimensional energy, either to receive the energy or to become a practitioner, reach out to me either by email or... Uh, of course, through my website. And my email is carol at connecttojoy.com. Very simple. As long as you put the two in the middle of connect and joy, we're good. And then also you can reach out to Bodhi directly by email at Kazen, is it KazenQuest? Is that how you pronounce it? Kaizen. Quest at Comcast.net, which I will, instead of spelling, put it in the show notes. So you just have to take a quick look to be able to connect. And of course, you can also reach him, I'm sure, through his website. And his website is yeah. really interesting. I really enjoyed it when I wandered oh, through you. there. Thank you. And if you want also individual coaching, he is available for that. Don't worry. Like I said, if you didn't catch his email, it will be in the episode description along with all the other information. If you want to check out YouTube or link with us on any of the social media platforms. Or Facebook or yeah, I'm on all the social media. About my email, you might find this interesting. You know, Kaizen is a Japanese term that basically translates in English to constant, never-ending improvement. That's why I put it on my email, Kaizen Quest. So it's the quest for constant, never-ending improvement. And it's not going to be something everybody else has as an email. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I want to, before I leave again, thank everybody who's listening so much for joining us here today. And I especially want to thank my guest, Bodhi Sanders. Thank you so much for discussing inner peace and how to get there in today's world. Thank you, Carol. I enjoyed it. I did as well. It's been fascinating and an absolute pleasure. So thank you for being here. Until next week, be courageous and reach higher. And remember, transformation is a journey and not an end destination. So be kind to yourself. Just take one step at a time, get the help you need, and then get out there and find your joy and your inner peace. Make you a priority because you deserve it. Thank you for listening to Connect to Joy. If you love the show, make sure you rate, review, and share this podcast. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. Contact the host, Carol DeShane, with questions and comments, ideas for future episodes, or if you would like to become a guest. And remember, transformation is a journey and not an end destination. So be kind to yourself, because you are already enough to have the joyful, limitless life that you desire.